The DTN Progressive Farmer Digital Yield Tour, powered by Grow Intelligence, begins next week. What can we learn and how can you participate? That's today on Field Posts. DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. DTN Progressive Farmer is taking their annual digital yield tour to the next level in a year of unprecedented disruption that stretches far beyond the farm gate. Today, we're talking with Katie Dellinger, farm business editor for DTN and Progressive Farmer, about DTN's program and partner in processing and reporting revolutionary satellite data sets. She'll tell us what she's expecting to see out of the 10-state tour and how farmers can participate not only by following along, but also by contributing information and insight right from their own fields. That's after this word from our sponsor. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Marketplace. Marketing is a year-round business, but it's not your only job, especially this time of year. As you focus on fieldwork, monitor your opportunities, and easily make an offer with help from the newly enhanced free DTN Ag Marketplace app. DTN Ag Marketplace facilitates end-to-end grain sales on your schedule. From your smartphone or mobile device, you can easily connect to local agribusinesses to view current cash bids and futures to sell your grain. Need more accountability in your marketing program? The app lets you set goals and monitor progress, as well as enter and track inventory. Confidently market your crops with DTN Ag Marketplace. Download it today for free on the App Store. And now, back to the show. DTN's Katie Dellinger, along with other members of the DTN team, will be reporting on the 2020 Digital Crop Tour starting August 10th. Katie, this isn't the first year that DTN is planning to do a digital tour. Give us a bit of background on this event. Well, Sarah, the DTN Progressive Farmer Digital Yield Tour, powered by Grow Intelligence, has actually started out three years ago. This will be our third season of conducting this digital crop tour. And what really happened and where this all came from um, was just a way of thinking of how to do this differently. Given the evolution of satellite models and yield forecasting, we found a partner with a really high-end model that has proven to be very accurate over time. And we decided to partner up to really take a look at the crops from the skies to sort of incorporate that high-end technology that you don't see on sort of the traditional crop tour where you go out into fields and count ears and count pods and, and do all of that work just to see what we could do and maybe to compare from, from what some of those on the grounds were. So three years ago, we started this project um, with Grow Intelligence. What we do is we look at 10 states across the Corn Belt and Great Plains where they really grow the most, the majority of the corn and soybean crop. And we get a chance to really dig into these models and look at not only their state average yields, but we always try and point to the highs and lows within a state as far as their counties and what their production estimates 
look like. And we really try and take all of that data and pair it with farmer comments and observations from on the ground in some of those areas. And I think that's where the value of the digital yield tour really comes in, is when we're talking to the farmers and comparing the models and in some ways ground truthing them in real time, because the grow models do change and update on a daily basis. And so they're constantly updating, just as farmers notice conditions in the fields are, are constantly changing. Just to dig in a little bit more on, on that ground truthing. So you've got a bit of a hybrid model between kind of using that satellite data, using the big kind of aggregate level data, and then also weaving in some of what farmers are maybe more familiar with, with a, with a, tour like this that's just kind of looking at looking at crops in the field looking at individual kind of areas and fields how has that changed this year how has just scouting and and kind of being aware of what the situation on the ground is changed this year with covid and and how do you think that this tour could kind of ground people in a different way this year in particular when folks probably haven't been able to move around very much You know, that's a really good question, Sarah, because I think most of the traditional crop tours that people go on and attend, most of them are hosted by private companies or media organizations. And what they do is they bring people together from usually all over the world, or at least from all over the United States together. And what they do is they travel in cars, in groups, and do these together with strangers. They stop and have lunch in small towns. And It's really that bringing everyone together that is the danger this year in this COVID world where we're trying not to give each other a highly contagious virus. And so that's one of the things that's different about the DTN digital yield tours because no one is being asked to get into a car with a stranger they've never met and share whatever germs they might be bringing from their own home and their own walk of life. And so I think this year is going to be a really unique time for the the digital yield tour, because it's really one of the ways that it's only going to happen. There are some actual physical crop tours that will go on, but because of the lack or the difficulty in obtaining scouts, some of those have been canceled. Some of those have been dramatically reduced as far as the scope of their measurement sizes. Um, They're not going to be able to take as many samples as they might usually to make their averages. And so when you're looking at an a physical crop tour where everything is kind of dominated by averages and laws of randomness, fewer samples means a less reliable um, number in an estimate. Whereas what we're doing in our methodology is going to be the same from year to year. And so our look at things and the way we do things aren't going to change because of the pandemic. Most of our ground truthing will actually be done by interviews with farmers. That's something we call and we talk to the people who are on the ground instead of visiting. We do have a number of farmers that have agreed and and are working with us to provide, go out into their own fields and provide some samples and pull yields and follow our methodology to to calculate those yields and kind of report those back. But that's a smaller fraction of what we do. A lot of what we do is really looking at the models, identifying areas where crops are really good, really bad, somewhere in between, and then filling out that story with with, um, commentary and thoughts from farmers themselves. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about your guys' partner in in this tour as well. Yep, Grow Intelligence. 
their models, they, they do a large number of models. They have a corn and soybean model that are proprietary based on their own algorithms and machine learning. And that's one of the things that makes their model so unique is because every time they pull samples and every time they compare, those machine learning and AI techniques are going back and comparing to countless other data scenarios to try and come up the best and most applicable trends. Grow Intelligence, however, they, they've got these proprietary corn and soybean models in the United States. They have a number of other proprietary models like that in different parts of the world, actually. What they do, they, they have like a soybean model in Brazil, for example, and a few others like that. What they really do is they mine all publicly available sources of data pretty much from around the globe to help put together their models, maps, and forecasts of a wide variety of topics. They go from pretty much all crops around the globe. They do some different things on wheat. They have, I believe they have different forecast models in Ukraine and India and perhaps even some in China, pulling on these publicly available data sources. So what that means for digital yield tour participants is they are pulling from NASA's NDVI maps, which are built into pretty much every yield model that's out there because that's the the, the imaging software that takes the pictures of the, the crops or of the lay of the land and it pretty much creates a greenness index showing whether something is more greened up or, or healthier looking than usual or more brown than usual, which indicates some growing problems or perhaps stress or in the case of last year when prevented planting was very widespread across the United States, there was no growth going on on some of those acres and show, so it show up as a brown. So what GROW does is, is this really high tech way of bringing together massive amounts of data and they make it digestible through a series of maps and, and data series and some, some incredibly smart analysis. Most of their core customers that they are working with are not farmers and ranchers. Most of them are in the banking, hedge fund, financial realm. It's why part of why their offices are headquartered in New York City. So they are really working with a bit of a different audience than who DTN works with on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's part of what makes it a great partnership is because they provide some of the intelligence and the, the insight from, from sort of that high-tech realm. And the farmers that we bring into the crop tour really help provide the color commentary to bring you know, what's what we're seeing on maps and through data and models into real life and translating that into a real picture of what's happening out in the farm fields across the country. So knowing that there's all this information that's in, in data that's out there, you know, how tell me how this is going to look in terms of people who are or who are interested in following along next week. You know, how can people participate? If they can participate, there are lots of ways to participate. What they can do is you can follow our hashtag, which is DTN Yield Tour 20. And, and that'll be a way that you can participate online. You can share pictures of your, of your fields, your yield checks. As Emily and I are reporting stories, we will be reaching out um, to farmers within our Rolodexes to use a, an outdated but lovely term. And what we can do is if you want to participate or you have comments, you can email those to us. You can email them to edit at DTN um, just to get those to, to a wider array of audiences. But we also encourage farmers go out and check your fields. If you 
check out DTN, our spotlight page. There is a graphic that has a lovely explanation of the formula we like to use. Check that out, apply it to your fields and see what you find. We'd love to hear what what you're seeing out in your fields and whether or not what these models are saying really fit what you're seeing. The more commentary and feedback we get, the better. We do know that, you know, since it is a model, it changes on a daily basis with every sort of update and run of the NVBI maps. So that's it's, it's in, in flux, it's changing, but it's always good to pair that with perspective from on the ground. And I'm curious, going into next week as a reporter, I'm sure you're excited to just hear what's going on, but I'm sure you have some kind of expectations around maybe areas or regions that you think might be interesting or crops that might be having an unusual year in certain areas. And what are you expecting in terms of the data that might be interesting coming out of next week? Well, I think that's that's a great way to sort of explain the process of how this is going to happen. We'll have our first story on Monday and what we're really going to look at Um, is South Dakota and Nebraska. And one thing we're going to be doing a little bit differently this year is we're going to also talk to some farmers from North Dakota. GROW does not have a corn yield model for that state. However, with how late corn harvest went last year, um, really into spring 2020 and some of the delays that put into the row crops, we felt like it would we would be neglecting a really large piece of the story by not including some North Dakota color and context to the growth in in that area. We will also be looking at Grow's soybean model for North Dakota a little bit just to bring that into the fold and, and the discussion there was sort of the late corn harvest. As we're looking into South Dakota and Nebraska, we're expecting to see some fairly strong, good yields. The next day we're looking on, on Tuesday, we'll be looking specifically at Kansas and Missouri. And typically Kansas is kind of a wild card because it tends to have such a droughty, droughty season. Missouri can sometimes be like Iowa when you know the weather is right. And so we're going to be really parsing those states together um, on Tuesday. Wednesday, I think, is a day that will be high in focus because that's when we're looking at Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. And some of the most recent drought monitors have shown that the western two-thirds of Iowa is really starting to get into some of that stage one and stage two drought. The question is, is that too late? To How much will that take off the top of, of corn yields potentially? And maybe even more um, from the soybean side, August is is the month for rain for soybeans. That's really what tends to make make the beans big. You know, a few years ago, it was a really rainy August. They had a lot of big beans and that boosted yields in a way that was a bit unexpected. So how this drier trend in Iowa is affecting these models is going to be really interesting. Minnesota seems like it's got a great crop started. And so we're going to be watching to see how that moves along. And then I think Thursday is going to be another day with really high and high attention because we'll be looking at Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois. And as we know, last year, Ohio was one of the state's hardest hit by prevented planting. And so how, and they had a little bit of that this year as well, recovering from that huge amount of water. There are a lot of agronomic questions about that ground and whether, you know, fallow field syndrome will be an issue, whether it will, there will be yield losses or some of the struggles related to that. So I think there are going to be some eyes on 
Ohio and how that crop bounces back or compares to, to last year and the year before. And then as always, Illinois is always of interest. Those I states, um, just from the sheer production levels of corn and soybeans, what they contribute to a national yield average because of the sheer number of bushels they're expected to produce on an annual basis that really does weigh into some of the national average and some of the potential of the crop as far as supply and demand and how those balance sheets will play out going forward. On Friday, we'll take a national look where we'll get their national model, which incorporates all of the production, even in states where they don't have a yield model. So it's a little more expansive. It includes areas like the Delta that did have some some measurable production, some Arkansas, some Mississippi, some of those states that do grow some reasonable amounts of corn, but not enough to be included as a standalone state in our tour. So we'll take that national view to sort of wrap everything up and kind of that will take and sort of to help, you know, maybe forecast through or help our attendees apply that information to their own supply and demand forecasts. Wow, an incredibly full week that I'm sure folks will be very excited to hear about. I have to ask, though, you talked a little bit about what traditional crop tours have been kind of getting in the car and and driving around and meeting strangers and, you know, eating in small towns and stuff. I'm curious what your perspective is as someone who's been on a lot of those crop tours, but has also been working with DTN as they on onboard this new kind of virtual yield tour model. Do you think that in a post-pandemic world, the the physical crop tour will come back? Or do you think the kind of hybrid model or more of a digital model is here to stay? You know, I think crop tours will always have their popularity. I think there is a lot of validity and a lot of interest in them. And I've always personally enjoyed them. I've been on at least a dozen between corn and soybean tours and wheat tours in my career. And I think the the in-person networking is really one of the best aspects of those. You do learn a lot as well. I myself did not grow up on a farm and I've learned everything about agriculture by talking to the farmers who, who grow crops. And I've learned by asking questions. And I think that's a great, it's, it's been one of my, my teaching moments in my career is really going on these crop tours. But I do think that the satellite models are here to stay and they're only going to be growing in significance. One of the things about machine learning is that it's constantly getting better. It's learning mistakes. It's identifying better patterns. And so theoretically, as more of these models come out and the machine learning and the AI gets better and better, I would actually expect a lot of these models to kind of converge and become closer in a narrower range of their their responses and what their outputs are as they learn more and are developing these good sets of data. That said, I think Grow has one of the better models that's out there. Historically, how it's proved in comparison to what USDA's yield estimates are based on USDA's objective yield surveys, Grow has tended to come in incredibly close far sooner. Usually by November, they've got within, I I forget their margin of error in their statistics, but they've been statistically incredibly close to USDA's final number months before USDA puts that out. I think it's also worth mentioning, Sarah, that USDA does have a lot of these same satellite 
capabilities in the National Ag Statistic Office and, and the World, World Agriculture Outlook Board. They, however, while they have scientists that look at the this geographic mapping data, they don't apply it and integrate it into their own yield forecasting in the same way, partially because their methodologies are very well outlined and vetted and some of the release dates are even codified in, in statute as to when they must release things. So USDA moves a little bit slower to adopt this technology and they've caught a lot of criticism and flack over the years for not really being as responsive or quick to some of the weather trends that are happening out there. But USDA's objective model where they actually go out and they collect certain cobs of corn from certain fields and they measure and weigh it and do some very detailed statistical research is, an, is a method that's unparalleled um, in the world, is that physical understanding of what goes on. So I think as we move forward in this post-pandemic world, I think the ability to participate in things like virtual crop tours, digital yield tours like we do, is going to open them up to a wider range of attendees and folks. But I think the physical old school on the ground crop tour will still have its place and still be valuable tools of insight for farmers. Obviously, understanding where yield is as the main focus of this tour, but will there also be conversations about things like pest impacts and maybe drift issues or kind of other related topics? How broad will the conversations around the tour be? You know, that's a wonderful question. One thing we've always found um, when we visit with farmers and we discuss what we're seeing on the yield models and, and the NDVI models um, with what they're seeing in the field is that sometimes what might look to us to be like, for instance, something on an NDVI map, which shows how green or, or brown an area is, sometimes what's going on in some of those areas that aren't as green as they historically have been, it helps us identify problem areas. I think that drift is definitely going to be an issue in some states. It's part of why we're going to visit with farmers up in North Dakota, because they've been having some real struggles with that this year. It'll be interesting to me to see if we see that on an NDBI map in terms of the crop not being as lush as it might normally look from the satellite perspective and being able to identify maybe how widespread it is. I know that in years past, one of the more interesting things we found is sometimes you can see hail scars on the maps when there are really violent storms that go through a certain swath of air swath of fields and, and hail out a crop. You can sometimes see that on the maps. And so we'll be able to identify potentially counties that have larger areas of, of trouble or potential um, downsides to their crop and production estimates, as well as where it might be just having those wonderful, wonderful growing conditions. And so maps can only identify so much, and it's really up to us as the reporters to find out the story of what's the story behind that. And that's something I've always enjoyed doing, just visiting with, with farmers to, to find that answer and that sort of middle ground, because no yield model is perfect or will tell the whole story, but neither is just one farmer's field going to tell you the whole story of what's going on in the crop nationwide. So I think we're really able to bring the best of both together for the, the DTN digital yield tour. I think that it's going to be a really good third year for this, for this particular partnership and project to move forward. And I'm just ready and excited to, to get out there and, and start seeing what we see. 
You can follow the DTN Digital Yield Tour this coming week at DTNPF.com. Expect to see stories in the early and mid-afternoon every day the week of August 10th. Send your on-the-ground perspective and insights to talk at DTN.com and follow along on Twitter with the hashtag DTNYieldTour20. Follow Katie in particular at KatieD underscore DTN. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Katie Dellinger. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And check back in next week for a mid-yield tour episode of Field Post, where we'll talk to Katie Dellinger and Emily Unglesby about what's happening with the data. Until then, remember... The future of farming is here. This episode is brought to you by DTN Haytimer. Hay and forage quality isn't just about yield. It also relies on the perfect weather window to ensure a good crop. Use DTN Haytimer, part of MyDTN, to quickly assess risk by viewing maps specifically designed to show circumstances affecting hay quality. Pennsylvania producer David Graybill said, quote, Other weather forecasts were not accurate enough. As DTN Haytimer shows, it takes the right combination of drying to preserve the crop. I would guess we lost three to four times the value in crops that it would cost us to keep our DTN subscription for the year. DTN Haytimer is part of the MyDTN platform. Visit MyDTN.com to start a free 14-day trial.